Hey, this is Terry Moore, and just about every Saturday night, you'll find me listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Exterminate. Computer status report. Don't drink. Don't even drink. Drink and you're dead. No! It is TalkCast 115, and if you had to be a comic book character, who the hell would you be? Well, deep in Area 51, because Plastic Man is everything I ever wanted to be. <laughs> I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, the Abe Sapien of Snark. <laughs> it's Kriana. It's hard to be snarky. Well, underwater. You can be sharky. I could, wow, thanks, Dad. <laughs> You're my favorite. That's why. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire. If ever there was a Scrooge McDuck, it's Illustrator X. Money bath. I'm going to have a treasure bath. Treasure bath. <laughs> And his lovely ingenue in her tight bodice Wonder Woman costume, as always. It's and a day. little shout out to our friend Brian the Iceman tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, if you had to ask Jed Redhead who her favorite comic book character, that's almost as stupid as asking me. Hello, <laughs> Abe Sapien. Hello, Wonder Woman. Hello. And, of course, from the outpost Gallifrey Nymphomaniac Catch Release Center in Orlando, Florida, where he rides <laughs> the rides because he can. It's our own Dr. Dinosaur, Awake by Java. Science! <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Dolphy? Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Kriana, our... there's our new segue sound. <laughs> Science. No, Science. here's our new segue sound. Yeah, I like that one. I like it Join, too. Joining us for TalkCast uh, 115 is David Johnson. David, welcome to the show. Hi, good to be here. Cool. Now, for those of you who don't know who David is, a couple weeks back, we were talking about a movie called Edgar's Comics, which is about the Edgar Church collection of comic books, the kind of holy grail of collectors. And we mentioned this movie that was being made, and David is the gentleman who's making the movie. He contacted us and said, hi. And we said, hi. Want to be on the show? Wow. Said, You're so Sally. witty. I know. I know. Hi. And then I was like, I, I hi. I feel like George Bernard Shaw right now, so shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is. So, David, welcome to the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the movie. And I'm looking forward to talking about the Edgar Church collection and, and this whole project that you're into. And, and welcome. Thanks very much. I'm really excited to be on uh, Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's uh, a large first. <laughs> 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 and let's start off the show as we do every week and talk about this week's Facebook poll. Madame de Redhead. It's all yours, baby. Yes, what we did is last week, right after the show, actually, we got on and we asked people where they would like to have a drink for New Year's anywhere in the universe. 
restaurant at the end thereof. Well, that actually ended up being number one. Sweet! Millaways is uh, the restaurant at the end of the universe. And got the most votes. Now, can I just interject and say, we have a, a, a terrible thing going on here. A bad trend that must stop. Oh, yes. People going on our poll and adding a, you know... Something that's this, already there. You know, so we got <laughs> Millaways, parentheses, the restaurant at the end of the universe, and then 10 Somebody options down. It. Someone's like, restaurant at end of universe. MTW! <laughs> They're like, like that person who who finally puts up their yeah. lighter at the end of the concert. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they're like that person who's like, play Freebird! So yeah. <laughs> you know what? Stop doing that. We do really appreciate a lot of the, the you know, the comments and, and the, um, the extra categories. We really like great. the voting. The voting is you very You know, we cool. like that. But you know what? Actually read the categories before you add one. <laughs> oh, no, come right. on. Now, you know... You, really, I just... I it think really annoys that. Did anyone actually say Callahan's? As well, 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 wait, we haven't finished. Millaways was number one, and then for the next, we had a tie. No, no, number two. two. Oh, number I thought there two. was a tie there. Nope. No, number two was the Star Wars Cantina. Where, uh... Unless you happen to be first. Yes, for Hans, What was that, John? Unless you happen to be a droid, in which case, you're just out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Because they don't serve that that type there. That's yeah. right, your type. That's and right. And they have to end up where? At the number three one. In number oh, three, we had a tie. We had a tie between Guinan's Bar, which was actually added. That was a great addition. Mm-hmm. Guinan's Bar on Ten Star forward Trek. for the win. Ten forward. Yeah. And. The tie was with Callahan's Cross Time Saloon. So a little shout out to our friend Spider Robinson out there. I don't know. No offense, everyone who voted for it, but I really would not want to have a drink in the Star Wars cantina. It yeah, looks no dirty. <laughs> Just saying. Really? You know, but that is on the other hand, I would drink anything that Guinan handed me. Uh, <laughs> you would or you wouldn't? <laughs> Take that as you will. You know what isn't on there? And, and I'm kind of disappointed. Um, I've been reading the Dresden Files, and McAnally's Pub isn't on there. Oh, that's that's hardcore. You know, I love I that. I think there were a bunch of a, a bunch that that didn't make it, but I'm really always surprised at the the ideas that uh, our listeners come up with, and some of them are, are really quite clever. And I'm really also pleased to see that uh, enough of our fans are reading Spider and. New Callahan's Cross Time Saloon and voted for it. That, well, that I think just half wants. of our fans, you know, well, I know that some of them found Spider through us because we got some comments to that effect. But yeah, I know. If, if you haven't read him yet, um, stop listening to this. Go to the bookstore or your e-tailer no, 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 choice. No, 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 no. Listen to this first. Listen, no, 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 no. Stop <laughs> listening to this. Go get the books. Read them. Then finish listening to this. Yeah, then you can do that. Send money in gratitude. Yeah. And then tell us how much you adore us for introducing you to Spider Robinson. Now, You're can here. we just pause for a moment and ask Java what he thinks of the Dresden Files? Because I absolutely freaking love them. Oh, I love, love Dresden. I, well, I think- here's the here's the thing. I ran out of things to watch, so I started watching the Dresden Files television show, which and then was, I was also like, pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, this is pretty good. So I was like, I wonder if I have the Dresden Files somewhere. So I did my little search on my on my computer. Sure enough, there they were. So I threw them on my Kindle. And took them with me on my vacations, uh, uh, my trips during the holidays. And I am already on, I think, the fifth book. I've been just blasting through. Out of like 13, right? There's 13 now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, they're so awesome. 
they're they're them. really good. I mean, they're quick reads. They're funny. They're this is this is what I I compare them to. You know those trashy romance novels that are on the shelves in the grocery store uh-huh. for for people like I don't know housewives to pick up as they go through the checkout counter. Such you know the ones with the half naked men on the front. I see this as the same kind of thing, but for nerds. <laughs> no, the Dresden Files is f- a fabulous it. series. I mean, it's not necessarily very deep, but well, it is fun. Yes, and I, it's funny, and it's a it's a cool ride, and I think that it's it's fantastic. I've been I've I been agree. really enjoying. But it. you know what? You know what? Though Jim Butcher does not actually ignore character building. You know, it isn't super deep. It doesn't. You know, it's definitely very plot based because the books are quite self contained. You could technically. Somebody for uh, you're describing Terry Pratchett. <laughs> no. No, no Terry Pratchett is is very philosophical. You're, you're going to hit me? What did Terry Pratchett write again? It it's just kind of covered with all of the you know smut. I I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't read Terry Pratchett, so I can't comment on that. Okay. I got in I got in trouble with my parents when I was in middle school for bringing home the color of her panties. So. <laughs> I'm not even going there, John. Okay, it's not smutty though. Well, you know what is? <laughs> There's an alien oh, theme Oh, God, that, that was a horrible <laughs> segue. Wait, wait a minute. Can we introduce our really bad segue noise right there? <laughs> I, I, I just did. There you go. Now, now, what did you say the title of this, this place should be? Whores and Jetpacks. Whores and Jetpacks. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I'd buy that shirt. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> but I guess this place is near, um, you know, uh, Roswell near Area 51, whatever is out there, and it's the going. The chicken ranch, you know. <laughs> if you want. Actually, you know what's funny? Uh, this didn't make it into the lineup, but there is a establishment that is I, I saw on the uh, on the blog roll this week that is being built outside of the outskirts of Las Vegas in Nevada. Honey, I think you're going to say exactly what they're about to say. What? Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> and it is a it is a sci-fi theme, uh, themed brothel. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what, what they were going to say. What? We just said that. <laughs> okay, oh, guys, this is okay for our listeners out there. This is a behind-the-scenes sneak peek. We have a Google document in which we list all the topics that we're going to talk about for the night. <laughs> Java clearly hasn't looked at it. I don't get anybody else's story. Paying attention to what we were saying. <laughs> then see, why, see, when when we talk, when we if he had, when Denren had said jetpacks and whores, he might have thought, "Ah, oh, this is the brothel story." Oh yes, horses with jetpacks on them. We'll <laughs> win the Derby this year. <laughs> It's a bad Jetsons episode, kids. Join us. <laughs> Please, why would I look at anybody else? Judy Jetson. Tisk tisk tisk. Hey, is that going to be an option? <laughs> I, want, I want the rosy option. Uh, if you want, the, if, if you want the treadmill, that'll be extra. <laughs> it's well worth it. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> you know oh, okay. the best. The best part. Yep, of this, we killed my mother. In you China. know what? This is going to start a whole market for third breast implants. <laughs> no. Oh, oh no. no! I'm going to get one totally. I'm going to have to add. Total recall. 
Did you guys know that George Takei is going to be on the newest, um, what's the stupid thing Donald Trump does? The Apprentice? Oh, the, Apprentice? the Apprentice. George Takei is going to be on there. Why would George Takei? He's, no. He is. They're doing Celebrity Apprentice, and George Takei is going to be on there. What does this have to do with the third breast? I want to watch it just to see George. Okay, Kay. okay, okay. So in completely unrelated reality shows, has anyone ever seen the TV series Wolf Lake? I remember it uh, for the ten seconds it was on the air. Do you remember was, the guy who was the lead on that? What? The one who was in La Bamba, right? Yeah. He is on uh, the Food Network television show Rachel versus Guy, where celebrities come. <laughs> What? Where air quote celebrities com compete to see who can be the best cook, and he's freaking intense. Anyway, seeing oh, him on that series prompted me to look up Wolf Lake, and now I'm going to watch it. Was it good? Don't bother. Uh, well, let no. me just say, there was a reason it was on for ten seconds. By ten seconds, you mean ten episodes? No, by ten seconds we meant ten yeah, episodes. Yeah, of, of which I think air. two of which aired. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Series that were only on for two seconds, or, or maybe should have only been on for two seconds. Uh, apparently, there's a new character on Being Human. Hello? The Siffy Being Human. Let's specify that, yeah, because yeah, the British one, be, at least the seen. first season, was actually quite good. For those of you guys who were uh, Dollhouse fans, uh, Deaton Lachlan... Uh, who and she isn't was... a Dollhouse fan? Oh, which, no which shit. Which one was she? She was... She, she's the was Australian name? One. What was her code name? I forget. Who's just un like un? Is it like Omega? No, that was some her. weird weird name. It but she was one like of those letters. One of those. She was also ones. in uh, the the Torchwood, the last Torchwood series. She was in one or two episodes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody IMDb her really fast and. Just... And oh my god! And and she's just absolutely first first of all freaking gorgeous, but in Being Human she plays a vampire. Uh, Hierarchy, majesty, uh, royalty, yada yada yada. Really? Which word were you going for there, Dom? I, I was going. I was <laughs> going for queen, queen of the vampires, but that was too Anne Ricey, to be honest with you. Yeah, I yeah. love it. So I figured no. And actually, um, while she's got that going on, there's also a Kickstarter project uh, that she's doing. <laughs> wow, the world is full of Kickstarter projects this month uh, for a film called Sunday Punch that they produced she was part of and produced it's an interesting film about a ring girl a mute boxer and a small time gangster and a lonely magician <laughs> okay and it also has uh, Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks and Inglorious Bastards and it was a film that they put together and they put it together and it had a very limited art house run it was to go only to uh, um, festivals and they were hoping to get the funding to to make the full version of it, that never happened. But they had licensing to make copies of it to go to festivals and stuff. But the licensing that they had has run out for the music. So they needed $4,500 to get the licensing for the music completed so that they could actually sell the DVD. Oh, On the wow. Kickstarter project, which still has 12 days to go, They've gotten 5200 nice. So it's a go. Now, here's the cool part. Uh, for a pledge of 25 bucks, you can get a DVD of it. And this, from the initial 500 pressings made for the cast, crew, friends, and family, and festivals. 
Sweet. So I take it you already signed up, Dom. Okay, her name was Sierra. Sierra. Oh, that's Sierra, right. That's yeah. right. Um, and can I, can I just um can I just bring up something tangentially related that I just found here? I was having a hard time what finding. What tangential tonight? Well, I was just searching for Dollhouse. I couldn't find Dollhouse right away, so I searched for Eliza Dishku because yeah. I knew she was in Dollhouse. Well, there and you go. The, one of the things that caught my eye on her um, filmography, there's a new Torchwood series. Hello. Other than the one that was just on? Torchwood Web of Lies? No, she was a voice in Torchwood Web of Lies, which was the IO uh, web game, which was an accompaniment to the oh. last. Oh, it looked like yeah. it didn't say game next to it. It says TV yeah. series, and I was like, And it was what? kind of lame. Hey. It was a TV miniseries with a game involved, I believe. I don't know. It was weird. It's and all that. It's all. It, this is what happens when traditional media tries to do web marketing. Yeah, they kind of screwed it they, up. They don't know what they're doing. And it, it was a shame but because the kids are on the interwebs. We gotta use this. <laughs> yeah, we gotta use it somehow. Hey, don't don't worry if it's a good idea or not. As long as it's on the internet, that's what counts. And you know what? And you know what? Please go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Speaking of these British shows, I just want to pat ourselves on the back. Um, Publishers Weekly's uh, comics blog, The Beat, this past week, just announced, they're like, hey, has anyone ever heard of this British import series called The Misfits? I'm like, yeah, we were talking about them a year ago. ago. We're so hipster (laughs) that we liked that before it was cool, but now that it's cool, we... Yeah, I, I need to get some glasses that I don't actually need. They're just window panes so that I just look smart. Talk about bands that you <laughs> haven't heard about. Well, we are clearly talking about TV series that they haven't heard about because we liked them before they were mainstream. They're like, it's like Just heroes, like we liked better. Sherlock before everybody liked it. Totally. But you know what? <laughs> Sherlock's already reached its second season, and if you haven't seen the first episode, figure out some way that, to get it in a legal manner and watch it because it's awesome. And Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing. And not only that, <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> yeah, it really is. His name. Sorry, sorry. And not only that, but he's going to be Smog in The Hobbit, and yep. he just landed a role in the new Star Trek Star movie. Trek. What? I know. Okay, I know, okay. I, know. I have to be a real nerd, and it's Smaug. Whatever. Yeah. A U is always Al. Yeah, and his real name is Banana Crumblebum. <laughs> <laughs> he is never coming on our show. Oh my god! <laughs> no, we want him on the show. No, no, he couldn't That's come on our show because we don't have the vocal range to support that awesome voice that he has. That's true. You know, you know who else is in the new Trek movie? Uh oh. Your mom. Mickey. Yes, that's right. Mickey? Mickey Mickey. from Doctor Who? Doctor Who. Yes, Clark. Okay, what's his actual name now? Noel I know. The actor who played (laughs) Mickey. No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because they're bringing in a lot of new characters. Um, (laughs) And... We're not yeah, really there was totally no black guy on the original Starship Enterprise. <laughs> that was horrible. No black guy. It's just Ohura, and she's a black girl, and exactly. we've already got one, and she's hot. Exactly. No, there was somebody in one of the old ones that there was, he wasn't on the ship, but he came on board. It was during one of the racial Oh, you're not ones. talking about the one where, uh, what's his name, the Riddler there. No, 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 not that one. No, there was a, a, a one of, one of the after that black, I can't remember. Dome. 
you remember? It was like he was part of the Federate, the upper mucky mucks of the Federation. The yeah. 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 We're talking the original series? Yes. No. Because I'm old. I have one wish for Star Trek II, and it'll never happen, but I just really wish they'd replace the guy who played McCoy. That's never really, I liked him. He was I thought awful. He, hit, he was I thought, awful. I thought he awful. hit the attitude pretty good. He had oh, yeah. one, I'm a blank. I'm not a blank, I'm a doctor. And it was so wooden, I nearly cried. Stop Oh, it. he was just waiting for his mint julep. You don't even like the original series. <laughs> yes, I do. Where did you think that? I don't. Why did you think that? You know what else that Star Trek I didn't like? Star uh -oh. Trek Online, which is the <laughs> okay, wait, wait, less wait, intelligent wait, wait, wait. younger cousin of Star Trek Galaxies. Here we go. And that game came out a couple of years ago, I think. And to great fanfare, they were like, oh, this is going to be a World of Warcraft killer. Nope. It kind of died. Nope. And it just Check it's about it. to go free to play. So if you actually paid money for that game, and I really Be hope that you didn't, you can, actually, you can actually get in on the free to play uh, release of it because it's going to be released in a couple of months. Um, you can get in early to play that game that you paid for, and <laughs> cry bastards, <laughs> and eat Cheetos and peanut M and M's as you do, um, with all the other people who thought that it was going to be good and it wasn't. So, <laughs> was, was it an odd or even numbered game? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll say this about the I game. Off my head to you, sir. Thank you, thank you, acting. Go on. <laughs> I'll say this about the game. It was this, the ship-to-ship -ship combat was amazing. It looked great. It was complicated and fun, just like naval combat should be. Um, what killed it was the, was the away missions where you had to go down, and, and you had no idea who was going to die because everybody was wearing red shirts. And... <laughs> It was just confusing and, and kind of horrible. Um, but hey, in case you're interested, go check we, it we've out. Got, we've got breaking news coming over the teletype. <laughs> Attention, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Dyke and Lachman is being considered She's for not Irish, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dyckman and we're all going to have Okay, that. okay, can we just put a moratorium on attempting accents? Moratorium! She's being... She's no! Being considered for a Star Wars property? Um, if only someone could give some you know, additional information on this. That's <laughs> all I know. I didn't have any idea you'd be... <laughs> Join in, David! Throw it out, man. We're going to use it. Sorry. <laughs> Did you think we would be ignoring you? Absolutely not. <laughs> do tell, do tell. That's interesting because, I mean, she's, frankly, uh, Dollhouse was the first thing of hers that I ever saw. And she don't, away. don't. Let him tell the story. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was doing some research as well. She's, uh, she's kind of all over uh, Kickstarter. She is uh, a part of a project that just got funded for two, to the tune of about $100,000. So she has a lot of uh, draw to her. Uh, it's called Lust for Lust for Life, so she'll be in that probably in about a year. Maybe we can get her involved in Edgar's comics. I'd love to, but she probably plays a little too old. <laughs> Which just means that the characters in my film are very, very young. She could be a way hot sister. 
Definitely. Uh, that one that wasn't in the book version, right? Uh, there you go. Your creative Wait. license. So what? She's going to be a sylph. So yeah. I, I heard mention she's. Uh, it's, it's for a, a TV spinoff that they're trying to develop right now. They're working really hard. I could really see her as a Twilight. Oh, None of you know yes. what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking yes, about. I know what you're talking, okay. totally what you're talking about. Head and the first person to get we, we just sort of had to think about it and get the picture firmly solidified in our brains. Yeah. I mean, can't you see some head tentacles on her? Yes. Okay. It's just too bad they're not prehensile. Hi. Uh, <laughs> not your fantasy. Yeah. Wow. I, I, again, we're going with the tentacles. Java, this is getting to be a, a cyclical kind of thing. I'm getting a little worried about it. That was a wink. Okay. There's <laughs> a sci-fi wink. There's a there's an and odd. Speaking new... of tentacles. So speaking of tentacles and other Japanese culture items, apparently, nice. Um, Akira didn't make its funding goal. Quick, everybody. Oh, no. if, only, oh, if only they had a Kickstarter project. <laughs> so that people could refuse to fund that, too. Yeah. Well, apparently they couldn't get anyone to act in it. <laughs> really, if you think about for the past six months, all we've, talking, all we've been talking about for Akira is people who have passed on being in it. Yep. Well, yeah, because why would you do that? Why would you be in that? Why would you remake that? What did you do that was stupid? <laughs> <laughs> to quote Patty Singer. <laughs> Who has dirt on you enough to make you if, be in a... If they really did that, can you imagine the hundreds of millions of dollars that would cost? No, the hundreds well, of millions just of dollars... That's just that they couldn't even raise a hundred million because people were like, uh, 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 no. <laughs> no. No. You, you may want to just... talk to the... Talk to it's, the sharktopus people. <laughs> it's just one more example of how th things sometimes go right. That's true. You and know. if you want an example of other things that went right, you can see a great video. Uh, it's a, kind of a video of the week type of thing that shows a lot of the inspiration that went into making Raiders of the Lost Ark. The, the video goes back and it compares side-by-side -side scenes from older adventure movies that were probably used... To, to create the scenes in Raiders that made it such a great uh, movie. And check it out. It's worth watching. It's worth the time. It's really cool to see where that, how many things Raiders got right because of all of the work that had come before. No. We'll put the link in the show and notes. Was, and how many things Crystal Skull got wrong? Well, oh, I was going to say, did, did they include the classic uh, refrigerator flinging scene? <laughs> Or the killer ants. The ants yeah. killed me. They're no, hard. Those, those have been in old Tarzan movies. I've seen the killer ants before. Yeah, didn't you see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? No, I mean, these were so badly CGI'd, though. Oh, they uh, were. They were. Like, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids did it better. <laughs> it's like, who wore it better but for special effects? Yeah. Well, that's because the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids ones were, uh, were stop motion. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Sometimes the old the old techniques have merit. Maybe this is a good subject for a poll. Who did it better, Killer Ants? Who are you? Who are you? And what have you done with Kriana? What? <laughs> Sometimes older techniques have merit. Not often. 
Wow. Dome, yeah. are you carving this into stone? No, I'm having a mild myocardial infarction. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm on board with that. I mean, I will forever tell you that the Disney movies that were hand-drawn are better than the CGI. Oh, ones. my gosh. I hate Pixar. Oh, I no. like Pixar, but I love I, Pixar. But I, I cannot stand Pixar. But I'm I mean, say, I'm coming out of the closet. When you Pixar, look at the old Pixar animation, when you look different. at when you look at Snow White or Sleeping sure. Beauty, and you realize what they did with that split pane animation, having an animating camera that was the size of a playing foot of football field, with planes of of depth throughout it running constantly it was amazing and and the beauty of it stands to this day it's, a, it's, a, it's a, plus you can't collect cells pencil sketches or anything from a pixar drawing really a yeah, good point there well if you think about um if you think about the classic scene in star wars where obi-wan is trying to power down the uh the death star so they can uh, excuse me the tractor beam um, he's on sort of this pediment uh, in the middle of a void, and, and it kind of bleeds off into infinity below him. That's all hand painted mats that they right. put on a screen. I mean, that's so. I mean, that's. Oh, were they? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. That was that was one of the last glass paintings that was ever done, and it was huge, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. Half of it was uh, matted, half of it was glass painted, so that you had that that uh, artificial sense of depth that only a glass painting will do. It's just absolute killer, absolute uh, killer. But so I'm sure George Lucas will find a way to screw that up. I'm sorry. Hey, green screen, yeah. green screen is good too. Green well, yeah, screen I is look, good too. Look at how well <laughs> green screen worked in, in that uh, in that last Buffy series. Uh, that Sarah Michelle Keller. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she it never worked. Somebody's so watching time. that. No, I watched the first. Only episode. half of the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. Sorry, I got forty minutes in. You so, so can we? Can this officially from here now be? It's Wolf Laked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It should okay. be drowned. Uh, I can tell you that much. That'll work. Okay. Folks, I think it's about that time. Take it away. Well, wait a second. Don't we have a... Have a what? Didn't we have something to... What? Trans no, we had we had something that we, when we went from news to the interview, didn't we? Um, we have... Well, um, no, but I could make something <laughs> up. Can we steal Mr. Peabody's thing? It could be something like... <laughs> speaking <laughs> um so a couple of weeks ago uh we were talking about a movie called uh, edgar's comics and edgar's comics is kind of the apocryphal story about this holy grail of comics collection that was literally found and x has talked about this collection to me repeatedly because he knew about it and it was oh. something that he kind of turned me on to go ahead x uh it's the greatest comic book collection of all time okay it, salivating just thinking about it <laughs> it's pretty gross <laughs> 
Yeah, but you're drugged up, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it. Let's, let's talk to the filmmaker, David Johnson. David, welcome to the show. Hi again. Great to be here. Woo! Woo! David, tell us about your documentary. Uh, it's not a documentary. It's a narrative film. Um, so if you think along the lines of, I took, a, I took the events of a real story, and I've translated it into a dramatic film, but I'm staying very faithful to the actual events that occur. Uh, so if you think of uh, the social network uh, about the founding of Facebook, it's sort of the same idea of how I've constructed this, this, this film. But this, this is really one of the holy grail stories that's, that's actually true. And as much as people have embellished it over the years, mm-hmm. it's actually far more weird and amazing than any embellishment I've actually ever heard. Yes, it's a great, uh, great story um, because it's not simply about uh, – you might imagine, well, the ending of the story is he opens the closet and he finds comic books uh, or oh. and then he, goes, he goes on a shopping <laughs> spree. It's actually the beginning of the story because so much happened. This is, the, um, this is the discovery that along with a lot of the other developments that occurred in the 1970s, uh, this oh. is what, what the current you know, phenomenon of comic book collecting is founded upon. So it's a story really about two guys, um, Edgar Church and Chuck Rosansky. Well, Edgar Church is the uh, is the, the gentleman who collected the books in back in the 1930s and through to the, about 1953 from 1955, and then in 1977, Chuck Rosansky, who is the owner and founder of Mile High Comics here in Denver, he uh, he got a phone call from a real from a realtor who was asking. Hey, I've already called another real uh, another um, comic book dealer in the Denver area, and he wouldn't come take a look at this collection just because um, I couldn't tell him what it was. But they're all over the basement, and I need somebody to come take them out. We're trying to sell this house. So Chuck took a gamble and showed up and uh, discovered eighteen thousand comics, <laughs> one of virtually every every title that was produced in from nineteen thirty eight to nineteen fifty three. And and there there are sort of two different batches. There were some on the floor in the basement, ni- nicely stacked, uh, but m- many of those from, the, from, say, 1948 to the end of the run in 1953 were bought, a lot of them were bought secondhand, uh, but they were still pretty nice shape. But in the closet, which is from 1938 to 1948, um, they were all, he bought them directly off the newsstand, uh, apparently looked at them once, if, if at all, and then just stacked them in the closet. And a lot of those today are the finest examples of copies that still remain. He was the, f- uh, and again, they are like in, most of them are, of those are in near mint condition, right? The ones in the closet are the ones that are very, very high grade. They're certainly going to be like an 8.5 or, or higher. Uh. Um, the ones on the floor, there's some that are about sevens and, and, and you know, they're, like I said, they're about, they're about second hand. But uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of um, press lately about the action number one that sold First appearance of Superman. It sold recently. It was Nick Cage's book that was stolen from him and then refound in a in a uh, storage facility. Uh, just sold for two point one million dollars, and that rated at a. Oh, at a, re- uh, I didn't realize that was a church one. That was not. That was just uh, Nick Cage's oh. one. Yeah. And and that was a nine point Now the the Edgar Church copy. Um, it's never really been seen in public. It's owned by someone who's elusively referred to as the dentist. Um, that's. <laughs> Because you'll take your teeth out if you try to touch it. <laughs> it was uh, it was the second person who I believe it was the second person who bought it, 
in uh, the mid 80s and he paid something like $25,000, which is an astonishing amount of money back then. But that's really never been seen publicly. It hasn't been formally graded by uh, by the companies that do that sort of thing. But uh, the, the, with the lead grader, uh, Steve Borak, he believes it to be a 9.4, maybe a little bit higher. So that would be, so the estimates on that is it could be anywhere between three and $5 million. Uh, so but the, the, the weird thing yeah. is that Chuck Brzezanski picked up this collection for how much money? He doesn't say it publicly um, to, to, it was a very, very, very little money. A lot of people say, it's, and, and, it, and it makes sense to me as I've spent a lot of time um, the past year basically living inside the story. Um, there are a lot of people who try to relive the moment after the fact, as we all have to, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was pay, he paid a per box amount because there were so many that he, you know, you don't, you're not going to say I'll give you 10 cents a piece because you'd have to count them individually. So he had a box that would hold about 500, um, about 500 books. And I think he paid about five fifty bucks per box. Now, so what, it, it worked out to like, about 10 cents. Weren't those boxes like originally used to like, uh, bring like, uh, like chicken box like meat, chicken boxes. Yeah. They brought meat to supermarkets and they had to clean them out. And disinfect them so they yeah, could put comics in them. Yeah, they're really heavy cardboard. They were uh, very waxy because they need to be waterproof. And and before the the days of the long box, um, that's what they used, and it would hold. So oh it was, my uh, god! You know, it was about the it was about two two long current day long boxes, you know, parallel to each other. And it, so it would hold about five hundred books of Golden Age. So so the real story is is he you know, gets this call and he, and, and the, the the most fascinating thing about the story, what makes it a compelling screenplay is that Chuck's uh, uh, personal life story is so interesting. He, he was selling comic books. This is back in 1977 uh, when he found that when he made the discovery, but uh, he'd been selling comic books. And at the time he was 21 years old. He'd been selling comic books on a you know, semi-professional basis at the age of 13. Yeah. So, so basically if I, how I tell the story, it, it's really not necessarily about the collection. It's about the history of comic book, about comic book collecting and the, and the subculture. Um, so if I followed Chuck as he, as he grows up in the world of comic books, and, and at that time he was with people who basically created the culture. Uh, it's a very interesting story where you can see a lot of different things happen, that, things that, that uh, you take for granted today. How do they, how do they originate? Oh, yeah. I mean... Okay, I'm familiar with the story. Um, I'm I'm actually kind of glad that you you're making this film because I remember hearing rumors. I remember when I was twelve or thirteen, and the dis the distorted version I heard was, "Dude, have you heard? There's this famous collection out there. It's called the Edgar Church Collection. This guy bought this house that this guy Edgar Church used to live in, and there was a barn on the property, and the mm -hmm. barn had this like it was like kind of." Like the atmospheric conditions were such that things were just preserved in there, and there was the first issue of every comic book ever made was in the barn. And the, I was uh, like, "Well, then that means there's time travel because that's what I do." <laughs> yeah, no. His motive for uh, for um, for collecting is that he was a commercial artist, so he worked for the Mountain yeah. Bell Phone Company. And when a a business like a, a liquor store or I don't know a fishing tackle company. Uh, if they would buy a listing in the Mountain Bell directory, the animation that would go with the advertising, he would be the person that the Mountain Bell would, would have to do that. So he was a commercial artist, and he would buy. Um, he, 
and as art, most artists do, he just loved to draw and draw and draw. And I think he used uh, the comic books as, as inspiration. And he also wanted to get ah. into comic book writing. But he didn't necessarily, I mean, a lot. I know that Edgar Church uh, would cut up some magazines and so forth for reference materials, but the comics themselves are mostly untouched. Right. Um, for whatever reason, you know, Chuck, uh, Chuck Rosansky, the, the discoverer, he, uh, he made some inquiries with the, the uh, Edgar's adult daughter, who was about 60 years old at the time, and I think she was actually with her, um, her husband. Um, he was trying to get some information, and things were kind of vague. Uh, she wouldn't really answer a lot of the different, um, uh, a lot of the questions that he had, and that's part of the reason. That's and that becomes sort of a, uh, a subplot in the story that that I've written of who who was Edgar Church and and why was he there? What was the family dynamic? Why are things so so uh, convoluted oh. with, with what's been going on? But um, uh, the as far as the house goes. It's actually I, I live five blocks away, and I didn't had no idea that that was the really? case. Uh, about halfway through, oh, it was it was one of the most amazing, uh, uh, mind blowing days I, I had. I I uh, was about halfway through the script, and um, I was on my way to my day job, and I uh, took a left and realized that I forgot. It's the way I normally go to my job every day. I took a left, realized I didn't have my uh, phone with me, and had to make another left on a street I didn't go down. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a picture of the house uh, that I. The address is not widely known, and I am five blocks away from this house. Wow! So the, yeah, it was crazy. Um, so, uh, the video clip that you see on Kickstarter is was filmed on location at the Edgar Church house in the basement, and that's uh, that was one of the. the, the most fun things about the project is that I don't think anybody's really ever seen this place before. So it's sort of fun to see um, the, the house. So as you can tell uh, that it's not a barn, it's a, it's a 700 square foot house uh, in a, in a, in a sort of a exurban um, um, suburb of, of, uh, of Denver. So you got to walk there. <laughs> yes, I have walked <laughs> no. yes, the Holy land. Now, if this is too much of a spoiler, then, you know, let me know. But to me, uh, one of the, the, the pivotal point of the story is what Chuck resolves when he opens that closet door. Yeah, he, he describes it as saying he made a vow to himself that, you know, because if, if, there was some suspense as to whether he, he, there were so many comic books and he wasn't necessarily prepared for the sheer volume that was there. Is that he could only take the you know the less pristine ones that were on the on the basement floor, and then a little bit that was in the closet. Uh, he had to wait an entire week to get the uh, to get the you know the gold mine that was in the closet. He vowed to himself, as he says, that uh, he was going to do everything he could to commit his life to um, to the world of comic books and make it into something that it could be. So we examine some of the some of the decisions that he has to make as a very young man at age 21. Um, he it becomes clear that. He's not really in it just for the money. Um, he really wants to shake things up, and the uh, the, the comic book um, culture, the infrastructure, the you know, the, sort of the, the the arrangement between hardcore collectors and and sort of this young mm -hmm. evolving business. Um, some things have to change, and that creates a lot of friction. And all storytelling is about intention meets obstacle, and we just realize uh, we watch him solve some of the problems that he has. Uh, God. This is a movie I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
Well, go to Kickstarter.com. Well, no, Google. talk about that. Yeah. Please talk so, about that. Yeah, please. Let's. Um, we're going to have uh, the it, link on our page, but let's <laughs> let's talk about what what uh, people can get if they donate. Uh, the, uh, the go to Kickstarter.com or Google Edgar's Comics and Kickstarter, and, you'll, and it should come up right away. But um, I, I think you guys have talked about Kickstarter quite a bit, so I think some of your audience, a lot of your audience, is already familiar with it. But um, if uh, it, it's a, a, a website where you can uh, follow and fund creative projects, and uh, we're putting this together, and our budget is, I'm putting some of my own money into it as well. Um, the budget is about a thousand dollars per on-screen minute, which is a comfortable budget for a, a small film like this, but. Um, um, if you're kind enough to donate, basically there are tiers where if you donate uh, $10, you get X. If you donate 25 or 50, or get somebody who, who gave, who gave uh, 5,000, and uh, and he's going to be the executive producer. Um, so the different things. If you if you uh, give me at least $10, then you will get a comic book that has been in Edgar Church's basement, not one of the original ones, but one of mine. In other words, you you walked in with one to okay, it's in. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you look at the, uh, I think it's sort of funny that um, I am the only other person on planet Earth with a complete comic book collection that has come out of Edgar's basement. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very very cool. Um, if you pledge fifty dollars or more, you get a ten minute preview of the film while it's in post production, and a DVD of the completed film, including ex- outtakes and extended scenes. Which you're planning on having ready by midsummer? We want to we want to shoot uh, the end of April, and then uh, post production will take you know uh, how long? Three four months is probably pretty comfortable for the budget that we have, and then uh, we would like to be ready in time for Comic Con, obviously, and then uh, after that we would make uh, the rounds to the other comic book conventions, and then we'd certainly be submitting to the festivals, the film festivals. Well, I've got to tell you that uh, if you look at the YouTube uh, link to the Kickstarter project, which is, I guess, some scenes from the film as well that you've already shot. That, that's the pitch, actually. And uh, it, it looks very, very cool because it's, it's not sitting like a standard documentary. It's actually a storytelling. And you're, you're having actors reenact uh, some of the scenes from the 30s and 40s. Yeah, we just wanted to be able to uh, to a you know part of the part of the attraction we're hoping is that people can see the Edgar Church House because like I said, very few people actually have. You'll see the basement, which to my knowledge nobody has, um, and you can just sort of see where some of these events uh, unfold. And I, I'm somebody who's very into history. I went to college for that, and uh, I just like that that sense of being there. So, what brought you to be a filmmaker, a comic book aficionado. And I mean, there's a whole lot of confluence that had to happen to bring you to this project. How did, how did that come about? About 10 years ago, um, I, I, I've written about uh, four stories that I've written. And uh, this was the first. Um, and I first heard of the story about 10 years ago. Colorado Public Radio was doing an interview with Chuck. And uh, he related the story, and it just I literally sat in my car until the story finished, because it was just so compelling. Um, yeah, it's such a classic, you know, what would you do moment. Um, everybody. So uh, one of the things I don't know if it's clear yet, if this collection were found today, it would be worth at least fifty million dollars. Oh yeah, 
Now, the book value back then was, call it, I don't know, $200,000. It would be the price of a very nice home, but it's not as if you would be um, set for life. The real, you know, what makes this story a great method to tell the story of comic book collecting uh, in a broader sense is that this is what put it on the map. This sort of, this set the bar of what, of what, of what comics uh, can be in the sense that, uh, you know, a lot of these books, no one thought you could find books that old in the, in the condition that they were. So this well, that, changed the pricing, this changed the grading, this changed a lot of different things. All right, because it was a disposable media. I mean, you were expected to crumple it up and throw it away. Your mom really did throw it out when you got older. <laughs> Didn't yes, the summer. they, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, as my dad keeps saying, he's never forgiven my grandmother for throwing away Superboy number one. Well, there are also, you know, in, yeah. in the uh, age of McCarthy in 1954, there was the Senate subcommittee the burning on oh, yeah. del- delinquency, um, where, uh, you know, every, it was and McCarthyism is the best face to put on it. But it was, this was considered what, what uh, another writer's called a, uh, a 10 cent plague that threatened the, uh, the welfare of America's youth. So there were actually organizations, I mean, the Girl Scouts in the 50s and the, the late 40s were burning comic books, collecting them up and burning them. Uh-huh. Um, so you had some of the numbers um, at, their, at their peak, you're producing about 100 million uh, comic books a month. And if you think about it, um, there are only about, I think there are fewer than 100 action number ones. Um, right. And very few of those are in any kind of higher grade. Uh, everybody used to think that the Superman number one um, when he got his own series, there would be thousands of those, but there are you know, maybe a few hundred that have been graded. So it's amazing that these things, that these things have lasted. Yeah. That's it. I'm not buying any cookies this year from the Girl Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> but the Thin Mint! So, I mean, I think there, there are sort of three, or four, um, uh, sort of parts of the story that are so compelling. A, it's, it's Chuck's life uh, before the discovery and after the discovery. Um, and then it is about Chuck's personal life, where he where he grows up uh, and falls in love with his current wife, with his with his longtime wow. wife, uh, Nanette. So there's a story for that. And then there's also we look at some of the uh, uh, the arc of technological progress, where uh, again the, the collection was found in 1977. Well, uh, the first Comic Con was in 1970. The first Price Guide was in 1970. And then um, we look at how how the, the hobby worked before the age of the internet, which like all hobbies, it was just limited by, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you create a market? How can you find people who have these books? Mm, uh, right. Um, whereas, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, uh, uh, to buy a book and you were, were particularly concerned about its condition, you had to either have somebody uh, send you a photomat print or you had to have, uh, you know, trust in the, in, the, in the person that you were dealing with on the other end. So it's just sort of fascinating how you how you can pay. Well, you know, you used to be sending uh, money orders through the mail, or maybe even like I did when I bought my first comic book bags. I sent like five dollars in cash <laughs> yeah. in the mail to, to to get it done. Nice. I remember all that. So, uh, what's in your collection? <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things that I feel like I need to make it absolutely clear is that I mean, I, I my my days of comic book collecting were from the nineteen eighty. Uh, in 1981, so I have about 200 comic books that I've kept, and I have, and um, uh, then I, when I was out of college, I, I started collecting about the some of the first 50 books of Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man, and then I do have five uh, five uh, books from the late 40s 
by a, a publisher called uh, Fiction House, and they're called um, Planet Comics, and they're sci-fi. So I'm not a, myself a hardcore comic book wait a minute, junkie. Wait a minute. But 1940s Planet Comics yep. are Fletcher Hanks? Do you uh, have Fletcher re- Hanks comics? I can't remember the artist, but... Uh, did it but, look? Uh, did it look god awful? <laughs> no, I, there, I. I think I know some of the some of the artwork that was on some of the earlier books were a little mm, not to my taste anyway. But the the yeah. covers that I have, they're absolutely stunning. They are just oh, the okay. most beautiful artwork that I've ever seen in my life. Oh. They they're just like they 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 capture the uh, the age of the nineteen forties and the concepts of, of what science fiction was. I think. Bubble heads and and uh, exactly. what was his name? Ray guns. <laughs> Tentacles. Don't Virgil forget. Finley. Yeah, tentacles, man. Don't forget. <laughs> tentacles. Tentac- is it, was he holding a, a big bubble with a woman inside of it? I have that comic book. <laughs> I think that's, that's forty four, number forty four. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds. Um, this is kind of like Geek Boy Dream Time because uh, it really is a series of of seminal events. It's what? it's the kind of thing that. Lends, lends a history lesson to yeah. things like Boston Comic Con today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the first comic, the first uh, Comic Con that they had, they had they had two back in 1970, kind of one sort of a dress rehearsal, and then the other one. The first one, only 70 people showed up. So, I mean, think about it today. Yeah. More there were few when, when Chuck found the found the comic books. I think there were fewer than a hundred comic book. Uh, yeah, the comic book collecting, as we know it, didn't didn't exist until the late 1960s, as, as we right. consider it today. Oh no, I and remember we, uh, uh, you know being a kid, being brought down to Boston for the to see the Million Year Picnic, you know, which is one of the famous old school comic stores now, and I right. uh, just amazed that oh my god, this entire store has nothing but comic books in it. Uh, Wow, you know what's uh, what I'm glad to hear about this too is that you're, you this is Chuck's story as you know really and uh, there was a movie it came out about ten years ago I think called Comic Book Villains yeah which was tangentially about this sort of thing happening wasn't really the the Edgar Church story but person finds a, an amazing collection of Golden Age and there's car chases and Eileen Brennan and <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah, know where yeah. your head was at but during like, the- you know this this one sounds like it has heart uh, I I really think it does one of the things I I definitely want to stress is that so in, in my circle of trusted readers who I hand my my drafts to uh, none of them are comic book fans and a lot of them are women uh, and they all they I hand it to them they want to know what it's about I give them the brief uh, the tagline and they're pretty skeptical, and they come. They've come back. How I knew I had something that was that was special, not just to me, is that they come back with extremely positive coverage, uh, feedback. So um, I, I really believe in the story. So this is a great positive story um, that does uh, does respect to uh, to the hobby, to the people who who follow it, and just about about people making their way in the world. And that's that's I think what the most interesting stories are about. The movie is called Edgar's Comics. The film's writer, producer, director, David Johnson. The project is on Kickstarter. Check it out. This is an amazing project. Back it because we'd like to see him at Boston Comic Con with the final movie next year. That's right. 
David, thank you so much. So oh, thank you. Are you kidding? <laughs> X, walk us out, my friend. All right. Next week, Judas Priest, Risa Nelson returns with the next installment of the Dragon Slayer series, The Iron Maiden. Then on January 28th, actor Doug Jones is on. Woo! He's Abe Sapien. He's the you really have from to King's stop doing Squeak! And now, he's a mime! Sci-Fi Saturday... <laughs> Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome. Hey, this has been one really, really interesting show. I want to thank uh, our guest, Dave Johnson. I want to thank our cast for joining us tonight and making the show what it is and what it's going to be for a long, long time. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, my darling, thank you. Wink. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Double bag 10.0. Oh, I can't follow that one up. And from Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor and a Maui Wowie boy, Awake by Java. Science! <laughs> <laughs> this is Dome saying Genie, shared pain is lessened, a shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night.